Hi, I'm your host Pratik Panda and you're listening to Impulse, the influencer marketing podcast by Philo. Here we talk to the best and brightest in influencer marketing to help answer all your questions from finding the right influencers to making sure you have the best influencer marketing strategy. So let's get started. Welcome everybody to another episode of Impulse, the influencer marketing podcast. Joining us today is Michelle Silverblatt an accomplished influencer marketing expert with over a decade of experience in the marketing industry. She's currently the Global Director of Social Media and Influencer Marketing at Pagaro, a cloud-based business management solution specifically designed for salons, spas, fitness studios, and more. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome, great. So right off the bat, one of the things that I like to ask all of my guests, especially if you are working in influencer marketing, what is one controversial hot take about influencer marketing that you believe in, but maybe not everybody else agrees to? Yeah, I mean, I believe that every single brand should do influencer marketing. I think that it's definitely the way consumers and people in general are consuming content. I believe it's a must do but it has to be done in the right way, right? So I know we're going to talk about authenticity and non-authenticity and what that really means, but there's kind of two ways I see it. There's authentic brand partnerships, right? Which are, in my opinion, the way to go. And then scripted paid ads and endorsements, which is another way to go that, of course, some brands are doing. But to me, that's not the way to go. So yeah, that's just a quick nugget on on how I think about that. Awesome. Cool. So we will dive a little bit deeper on the right way to do influencer marketing. But before we get there, can you tell us a little bit more about Vagaro and your role over there? Yeah. So Vagaro is a one-stop shop software to really help small businesses run smoothly. We really take kind of the grunt work out for the business owner so that they can focus on doing what they really love to do. And that means servicing their clients. We mainly serve beauty, fitness, wellness industries, but we are expanding into many other industries such as martial arts, therapy, and tattoo. We're really growing rapidly. And a lot of the features that we offer are online booking for our clients. We have merchant services where businesses can take payments right through our software. We offer reporting so business owners can stay on track with how they're doing as a business. Forms, if they have clients and customers who are getting a service, they can collect data before they come in. And so it kind of makes it really easy. And it's that one-stop shop area where they can collect all that. We also offer marketing tools as well as customer design for our businesses as well. So we have a lot of features and we are actually adding more as we speak. That's great. And the thing is, it's an interesting thing, right? The kind of people that you are working with or you are building the software for, in some sense, they are also all creators, right? They may or may not be super active on social media today, but I'm pretty sure that a large share of how they find their new customers are through social channels, right? Is that something that you also help them with? Yes, correct. So we actually offer a book now button directly integrated onto their Instagram and Facebook. So that's just a feature that we offer. However, we also offer a lot of marketing tools and tutorials and webinars and even on our social media advice on how to run their social media accounts so that they can be better business owners and get more clients. So really, we walk hand in hand with our customers as they start their business and as they grow their business. And I believe that's really what sets us apart from our competitors because we don't just drop them once 
once they sign up. We really make sure they're nurtured throughout. But yes, to answer your question before, a lot of them are creatives, right? They're in the hair industry. They're in makeup. They're in beauty. They're in wellness. They're in fitness. And so they're always evolving their content as well. So we try to be there every step of the way to help them grow. Awesome. That's great. So a little bit about your background, right? You came from a career in TV production and moved into marketing and specifically influencer marketing. How did that happen? Yeah. So I started off my career in TV production where I was booking guests for shows like Tyra Banks and Rachel Ray and Anderson Cooper and really part of the creative process through and through from start to finish. So booking the guests, briefing them before they went on and then debriefing with them after they went on a segment on the show. And one of the things I really loved about my production days was when our brands were incorporated into one of our segments and how to really kind of storytell around that integration. So that's really what led me to the marketing industry where I worked on a content team at Starcom Media Vest. And that is a global agency where I worked on a content team and helped really bring brands to life through content, whether that be through social media or developing mini docuseries for the brand, developing creative ideas. So that's really how I made the transfer from TV to marketing. And then one thing that led me to influencer marketing specifically was really from the inception of my TV days, I really loved that integration of products organically, right? That's the key word organically, because obviously we're not going to advertise that product in the middle of a talk show, right? It's about incorporating a story around that. So that's really what I do today. I run influencer marketing here at Vergaro and really help our influencers tell the story around Vergaro and how it helps their business and how it helps them grow in a really authentic way, obviously to drive leads and signups, but also to drive awareness and engagement for the brand. Got it. And you mentioned a keyword there called organic, right? And that brings us to the whole topic of authenticity. Influencer marketing cannot be done successfully without touching upon the topic of authenticity, right? So what does authenticity mean for you, at least when we look at it from the lens of an influencer as well as the lens of a brand? Yeah. So authenticity means really working with an influencer who wants to maintain the trust of their followers by building their following and nurturing their relationship with their community. Not necessarily just, oh, I want to get followers and I want to become this celebrity influencer, but it's more about them being themselves through and through and really building their community so that they're really engaged audience. And so I believe the most successful influencer partnerships are the ones where the influencer actually really believes in the product that they're promoting because the influencers know their audience best, right? So the content has to be authentic to that influencer or it won't be authentic to their following and the audience will see right through that. So that's what I think authenticity means is really just someone who truly cares about their followers and they're not just a number. Got it. And how do you make sure that you find an influencer that is authentic, right? You mentioned one thing around how they try to engage and grow their own audience, right? Is it just about growing followers or are they really concerned about and care about their followers and therefore create content that helps their followers? So that's obviously one trait to watch out for. But otherwise, as a brand, what else can you do to make sure that you identify certain influencers that are authentic? Yeah. I mean, I would say influencers that actually use their product without you even reaching out, right? So seek out those influencers that are already using your product and that love your products. We're actually doing that right now at Bogaro where we've contracted our super users, what we call them, of our product. And they do have a healthy following. You know, they have 10K to 30K followers, which to us is a really great sweet spot because that means they have a really engaged audience. So I would say that is really important. So either influencers that are 
already used your product or influencers who have a strong need to switch over and kind of go through that research process, create relationships in the community. A lot of our current influencers that are more well-established and more celebrity status, I would say, have also an entire community of people that they know who use our product. So we've branched out that way, right? So we started with one and now we have three for example, and they're all connected and that's an authentic relationship and authentic people that really want to use our product. So it just depends on where you're at with your relationships. Got it. More recently in the last few episodes, I've been talking to some of our guests and we've been trying to identify strategically for a brand what makes more sense. Like let's say you have some budget and you're going to try out influencer marketing for one of your products. And by default, a lot of times as a marketer, you want to get as much reach as possible. And you're trying to identify the maximum number of influencers you can work with. But is that the best way to go about things? Or do you handpick a few and try to work with them more closely so that this authentic relationship can be developed? Yeah. So this is a very interesting topic because I'm actually going through this right now where we're working with in the UK, an influencer that has a ton of followers and a huge audience and a huge following and more of that celebrity, but she doesn't use our product. So we found it a little bit challenging to get her to post about the product really authentically, right? Where in the US right now, we're working with some really engaged influencers. Right now we're working with 14 total influencers from the US and the UK, but in the US, we have about 10 influencers we're working working with. And I would say five of them are super engaged and super into our product and really authentically promoting it. Right. And the other five have gotten on board under the product and it's been a little slow. To answer your question, I would say focus on fewer, bigger, better is my strategy and is going to be my strategy going into 2024 because those are the relationships that you want to foster. And you also want to ensure that you have a long term relationship with these influencers so that they can partner with you year after year because that'll just help your business grow. They're growing and then it just grows from there. So really focus on fewer, bigger, better. Got it. Another thing that you mentioned in a previous response was around the objectives for influencer marketing, right? As a brand, you know, the obvious thing is you want to build more visibility, you want to get more attention, but we are also starting to move closer towards conversions, driving ROI. How's that conversation going around and what's your opinion on it? Yeah, so I think influencer marketing really is full funnel, right? So it has awareness, engagement, and then also conversions, but there's different types of content within the different buckets of these goals. So when we're talking about conversions, when I started here at Vigaro about six months ago, they didn't have any influencer marketing infrastructure set up. So I kind of had to build that. So currently how we're doing it is every influencer has a sales page that they have and they drive traffic to that sales page. So they do a post, they drive traffic, we attach a UTM parameter to that link. And that way on our end, we can track how much traffic they're driving to the site from each post. We track how many people are signing up through their link. So that's really how we're tracking the conversion piece of it. However, you know, we're in year one of influencer marketing at Bagaro. So my goal really is to focus on awareness engagement this first year. And yes, we are getting signups, but really focus in those two buckets. And then next year, 
I believe that the conversions will really follow and pick up, but we have to get our name out there in order for the conversions to happen. Got it. And you mentioned something about an influencer marketing infrastructure, right? When you got started at Vigaro, it wasn't existing. You had to set it up. What does that infrastructure look like? So if somebody wants to start influencer marketing today, where do they start? Okay. Yeah. So when I joined the company, no one knew much about influencer marketing. So I was coming in, helping teach and guide everyone. So I would say ensure that you have a great legal representative to help you with the influencer contracts because that's step one and that's super important. But I would also say if you're doing influencer marketing in-house, have a system for the posting schedules of the influencers, how they deliver their content for review, what is the UTM parameters going to look like. If you develop that ecosystem of how you're going to be communicating with the influencer, that's half the battle, right? And then even before that, I would say develop a relationship with the influencer. That's super important. You want to develop a relationship with the influencer outside of just what they're posting. Because what I've learned is some of our top influencers, I have the best relationships with and the influencers that are driving the most conversions and the most relationship building and the most engagement. Those are the ones where I've really taken time to get to know and learn about and also hear them out, right? So they have suggestions on how we could do things better for our software and what they need. So yeah, it's definitely a long road when you build it from scratch. And especially if you're not working with an agency and you're doing it all in-house, I would say take some time to really get set up before you contract these influencers or else you'll really be building the plane while you're flying it, which is a little bit of what we're doing here at Vigaro this year. But we're learning a ton for next year. So that's really what matters. Got it. And do you think that having an agency is important or essential at some point? Or do you think it is something that can be scaled up in-house as well? I came from an influencer marketing agency. And when I walked into this role, I wanted to work with one because I thought it would be easier. And I thought it would really help streamline communications and take a lot of work off of our team. But what I'm learning is if you are not in contact with the influencer as a brand, you are at a disservice. If an agency is kind of sitting between you and the influencer, that's a big disservice. And you don't get to build that relationship. You don't get to talk to them directly. You don't get to give them feedback. There's a middleman. So I would say if you can build a team team internally at your brand, an influencer marketing team, I would recommend that more than going to an agency so that you can speak directly with them and have that contact and build that relationship. Then it'll just be a stronger partnership. Awesome. That makes sense. And more on those lines as well. Agency can be the middle person and that affects the relationship that you as a brand have with the influencer, right? And as brand marketers or as influencer marketers, one obvious expectation is that you're hiring an influencer to help make more noise about your brand and talk about your brand. One interesting conversation I was having more recently is brand should also start engaging better with the influencers that they work with or they want to work with, right? Brands today also have social handles that are active. They have a personality of their own. They can get really creative and quirky. It's important that they also try to interact with what influencers are posting as well, right? Do you think that's a good approach? Yes, that's actually how we've gotten a lot of our super user influencers, I call them, or super user brand partners to come work with us. They follow us. We see that they comment on our stuff. We comment on their stuff. It's a dialogue in social media. So I believe a relationship is a two-way street, you know, so I think it has to kind of come from both ends. And the stronger you start out, I think the stronger you'll end up should you decide to work with that person. But I think that brands should also let influencers do what they do best. 
and that's create and not try to step in and try to change anything about the content that they post. Yeah, that's an important thing and very tricky for marketers to not try and get too involved, right? So for influencer marketing managers, what is some advice that you would give at least on the content strategizing part, right? At what point should they stop getting too involved in the creative process with the influencer? Yeah, I mean, I would say you give a creator the brief, you give a creator the points that you want to hit with your products or whatever you're trying to add market, and then you let them do their thing. Obviously, if it's totally off brand, then that needs to be changed. But I think letting them be creative and organically integrate the content the way they see is best. If they use your product, that will be so much easier than if they don't use your product. So letting them run with their creative idea. I just had a call yesterday with an influencer who missed the mark on a piece of content. We hopped on the phone and we brainstormed together and we figured out a way that would work for Vagaro and also his brand and his following. He has a huge following on TikTok. And now we're good to go. And now he's going to create that piece of content. So it's really that collaboration piece, I think, is so key. But you have to give up some of that creative control or else you're going to lose audiences. Got it. And talking about specific campaigns, is there some campaign that you did recently at Vagaro that you can talk about? And what was your process? How did you go about identifying the right influencers and then, you know, getting them on board to running the campaign to measuring success? Can you walk us through one of the campaigns? Yeah. So we have basically a year campaign going on right now with our 14 influencers. So it's kind of an ongoing campaign where every single month they're posting about a seasonality type theme. So this month, We have influencers posting about business inclusivity to celebrate pride. So we are letting the influencers post about how they create an inclusive space for their clients and what that means to them. What does business inclusivity mean to them? So we brief them. We've talked to all of them. Okay, this is what we want to hit. Inclusivity and DE&I and all of that is very important to Vigaro. So we want to see how they incorporate that into their brand and with their customers. And all of them have created amazing content. We also got quotes that we've put out on social media we have on their sales pages to really kind of drive home this theme. It's really about collaboration and just making sure that they're being authentic to the content that they want to put out there. Since this topic about diversity and inclusiveness came up, a lot of brands try to do this well, but sometimes they're trying too hard or sometimes they don't come across as authentic themselves as they're trying to implement this kind of a strategy, right? And I feel like this whole thing around inclusivity and taking care of all the audience sets is very essential, especially in the influencer marketing context, right? This whole thing around multicultural influencer marketing and how do you as a brand try to implement this if it's not something that you're typically used to and you're sort of figuring it out? Yeah. So, you know, we are figuring it out. We are working with some of our influencers now because we do have a diverse set of brand partners that we're working with. So we're tapping into them to get their thoughts on how we can bring this to life. The first thing is, I think, you know, just because it's Pride Month doesn't mean you can post once about Pride Month and then stop talking about it the rest of the year. So I think it should be kind of infused in your marketing campaigns all throughout the year. So I think that's super important to get out there. And then I think, you know, a lot of what we do is highlight some of our customers on Vagaro who are diverse. We tell their story. We talk about how they got their start in the business, you know, what brought them here to Vagaro. And we tell those customer visit stories through a series on our social channels. So really giving them a spotlight to share their story 
stories and how they grew their business, I think really goes a long way and sparks that conversation. And it also speaks to those audiences too. So we have support teams that we're trying to expand and to cover all different ethnicities and backgrounds and all of that so that we can speak to our customers in that way. And I think that also has to show through in our marketing, which we are working on. We're definitely not perfect and we have a long way to go, but we've really started to have that conversation and really infuse it into our campaigns. All right. Great, Michelle. Tell me a little bit more about in this aspect, right? You said that you are also trying to learn on the fly here and get better at it. Have you come across brands that do this really well that you're taking some inspiration from? Yeah. So one of the brands that I've really paid a lot of attention to, even in the past couple of years, is HelloFresh. They are a brand that authenticity is their bread and butter. They post content that really gains the attention of their audiences that they may not be able to reach on their own. And the creators and influencers they're working with tie their personal stories into, you know, the unboxing of the HelloFresh, like how they're creating content around it, how they're making food for their family. So I think they're doing it really well and not trying to, you know, sell anything super hard to the audience. You know, I think they've been doing it really well from the start. Another brand that I have also had my eye on is Glossier. They implement micro-influencer strategies. So we didn't really get into this. I kind of touched on it before, but micro-influencers, in my opinion, go a longer way than these macro-influencers with millions of followers because they can be more engaged with their audience, which we talked about. But Glossier is doing this really well in that they're reposting user-generated content on their Instagram account that, in their eyes, everyone's an influencer. And they're repurposing the content that people are posting about their products and making them feel a part of the conversation and a part of the brand, which I think is super important now. And that also goes a long way. And That's the stuff that sells. If you can make someone feel important or part of your brand and part of your story, that's going to go a long way. So I think their approach from the get-go has always been super real. Yeah, you mentioned one thing that they think everybody is an influencer, right? And that is true. The concept of influence has always existed, right? We've always influenced purchases for someone else. There's always been somebody in the family that you go to for a particular kind of thing that you want to buy. There is a neighbor or a best friend or whatever, right? So we get influenced all the time. It's just that this keyword around influencer marketing is new, but all of us have been influenced in the past and there are so many purchases that we've influenced as well. Like even with HelloFresh, right? I love HelloFresh. And there was a time when I used to be excited about the HelloFresh box coming home. And one of the reasons for me to try out HelloFresh was that A, I like cooking, but B, having grown up primarily in India and in an Indian household, I knew how to cook Indian food, but I really didn't know much about anything else, right? So when I used to subscribe for those boxes, I used to pick meals that I've never had before. And that's going to give me an experience of understanding new spices, new flavors. And some of the things that I have made for my friends have all been HelloFresh recipes. And they go crazy because they've never had something like that, right? So when I'm visiting India and I'm cooking for one of my friends and they're like, oh my God, we didn't know what couscous is or what sumac is or you know so many spices that we don't know about right and the only way to learn and experience that is also through this and i think the amazing fit is when you can create this sort of emotional connect where you don't have to sell the brand anymore right like I would be happy to talk about this consistently. And I've been doing that, right? It's just that I don't do it online, but I am going around telling my friends or I call them over and cook them a HelloFresh meal and so on, right? And I think that's where you want to get to. And I think one of the key things that you also mentioned is find people who actually love using your product. That's the best way you will find that authentic fit. 
Yes, I totally believe in that. And I think that's something we're going to implement next year. We brought a lot of people on that don't use the product and we're kind of onboarding them to the products. And it's been a little bit of a challenge because sometimes people find that the product isn't for them because of a certain thing or they're not super engaged with it. So I really believe like try to find influencers who already use your product and then you can grow and really have that ongoing partnership. Okay, I want to understand a little bit more about how you got to the 14 influencers that you're now working with, right? How did you start with that? Was the list longer? How did you get down to the 14? What gave you confidence that here's the 14 I'm going to bet on for the rest of the year? Well, I kind of walked into a few of them because when I started the role, my manager said, okay, we already have relationships with these three. Here you go, you know, start to build that relationship and what that looks like. We had budget and we knew we wanted to invest in influencer marketing. So we kind of sought out to figure out, okay, what are three tiers of influencers that we want to go for? So like our top tier is really these more celebrity status type people. I wouldn't say actually more celebrity. I would say kind of like a step down from that in terms of people who are in the industry have a lot of influence with their audiences and can really educate their audiences. So that's the top tier. The middle tier is people who already use our product, but we want to work with them to kind of upsell them and teach them new things about the software and promote new features around Vigaro. And then that bottom tier is really these super users, right? So these super users who who have lower followings, but are really loving Vigaro and have used it for many years. So a couple of them, like I said, kind of fell into our lap. And then we sought out to try to find really through our Instagram, right? Who is using our product? People have reached out to us and said, hey, I want to be you know, an influencer for Vigaro. And we jump on that opportunity. Of course, if they have like a healthy following and we think that their content would resonate with our audience and all of that. But that's where we dive right in and say, okay, how can we build it together? So really each influencer that we're working with has a different contract because we want to kind of cater to what's best for their audience and the platform that they are going to market on. So Instagram, Facebook, and then we're also going to be launching on TikTok. So I didn't come in saying I wanted 14 influencers. I kind of just ended up that way this year, just based on our budget and based on this test that we're doing this first year and seeing, okay, who's rising to the top? Who's driving the most conversions? Who's driving the most engagement? And then at the end of the year, we'll take a look at that and assess for next year. And then that will be a fewer, bigger, better approach. So I would bet you that we will not have 14 influencers next year, but we'll have deeper level partnerships. Got it. That makes sense. And tell me a little bit more about the market in general, right? I mean, I've heard from a lot of brands or at least marketers at brands who are trying to move part of their budget from performance ads or performance marketing into influencer marketing. And I think we are all increasingly realizing that, yes, you have to run some ads about your brand as the brand itself. But what works better is when some trusted influencers can talk about your brand, right? And you're trying to divert money there. What are some trends that you you are seeing what do you think will happen over the next couple of years or so our approach this year is we're still running paid media ads but we're leveraging our influencers to be in those paid media ads right so we held a media day and we actually shot content with them. It's more like, okay, at Vagaro, we can help you grow your business, increase sales, all of that. And we have those more straightforward content that will run in paid media. So that's a tip that we tried this year that's actually really working because they're getting influencers in our organic social, but also our paid social. So that's one thing that has really been working for us. And then in terms of trends, I would say podcasts. A lot of these influencers have podcasts. So really where we're going to be focusing on the rest 
rest of this year and next year is actually sponsoring influencer podcasts. Right now, we're currently sponsoring a fitness guru, Luca Hosevar. He has a podcast called Bigger Ground, and we're the exclusive sponsor of that. One of our other influencer brand partners is Paula Peralta, and we've helped her create a podcast from the ground up, and we are sponsoring that. So that was part of her contract with us. So I really think if you could get in front of these really engaged listeners, that could go a long way. However, that's kind of more for awareness because a lot of people are driving and listening to the podcast and they're not necessarily like signing up right then and there, but that's just one tactic. And then another thing we're looking into is affiliate programs. We're going to be building out a program next year for that and really getting people on to help actually sell Vigaro and not just create content for us, but they will be incentivized for driving conversions and signups. So that's another one we're looking into. And then YouTube shorts is a big thing right now and definitely like capitalizing off of TikTok. So we're going to be doing some YouTube short content with one of our influencers in the UK who has a really strong TikTok following. And we're going to see how well those do for us. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that detail. But going from all this work talk to something a little bit more fun, if you had the opportunity to take an influencer out for lunch, dinner, a meal, right? Who would that person be and why? Chrissy Teigen. I just think she's like super real and she posts what she thinks. And I just think it would be like an authentic conversation that we would have at this lunch. Plus, I love John Legend. So that's definitely a plus. And then the second one is Lauren Bostic. She has a brand called Skinny Confidential and she has a podcast called The Him and Her Show. And I'm just super engaged with their show. And I think they bring on amazing guests and a lot of wellness content, which I'm really into right now. And I also think one thing about her is like she definitely doesn't promote brands that she doesn't believe in because I've definitely bought a lot of stuff from her commercials. And I was like, she really believes in that. It must be good. So yeah, I think it would just be like a really fun conversation. You know what, Michelle, thank you so much for sharing that. And one thing that is consistent whenever I ask this question to guests is the authenticity part, right? The favorite influencers that they have, like you also mentioned, she stays real. And that's what draws you to this influencer, right? And I think that's been consistent across the board that the people that we connect the most are the people that can show their real side online. And that's hard to do, right? That is really hard and ton of appreciation for everybody who's able to do that well online and just be themselves. And that inspires and encourages so many others. Yeah, for sure. I find myself like laughing at her all the time, like while I'm driving to work or responding to something that she says, like, oh my gosh, yeah, me too. It's almost like I feel like I have a friend on the other side, which is, like you said, that emotional connection and sparking that authenticity, I think is important. So thank you. Yeah. One last question before we sign off for this episode. If somebody is just starting out in influencer marketing, what are some tips and advice for them? Build relationships all across the board. That would be my first thing. And make sure you're really spending time doing that. Spending time getting to know who you want to work with before you actually sign on the dotted line, because then it'll go a long way in the long run. And then I also think on the branded side, like let go of that control to really try to like control everything that the creator is going to create. Let them be themselves. That's why they're here in the first place. And that's why they have a following. So really just put yourself in the consumer's shoes. Like, would you want to listen to a really salesy ad? I think people know when they're being sold to. So to me, that's really important when you're reviewing content. You want to make sure it's something that you want to listen to. So let go of creative control and build relationships 
And then also just keep up to date on social media trends, which is kind of a given when you're in this field, but just making sure you're putting your dollars where people are. Yeah, sometimes you miss the obvious, right? Like you do everything right. It's just that you haven't stayed up with the latest trends and you pick the wrong format or the wrong platform. So it seems like an obvious one, but sometimes you miss the obvious. Yeah, for sure. We could get caught up in just trying to get the work done, but got to really think it through. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This episode has a lot of inspirational nuggets as well as a lot of actionable insights that people can drive right out of. Thank you so much for spending time. I would love to have you again on the show after you've run your series of experiments and I'm sure you have a lot more learning to share. Definitely, I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Michelle. Impulse, the influencer marketing podcast is brought to you by Philo. Philo is the easiest way to get access to authenticated creator data from hundreds of different platforms. To know more about Philo, visit getphilo.com. That's get, P-H-Y-L-L-O.com. Also, make sure to search for Influencer Marketing Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast listening platforms. And don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Philo, thank you so much for listening.